Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me through the Spotify for Podcasters app is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hello, and this probably is just going to be temporary. <laughs> well, we hope we hope it'll work this time, but we're keeping an eye on it. We'll see how far we can get, and we will move right along. Not so many news stories this week, but unfortunately, there were a lot of people passing the past two weeks. So we'll get right to it. Start with the good stuff and the... The food industry is what we will talk about. First up, this is from PR, PRNewsWire.com. Introducing Fireball Dragnum, a classy way to bring the heat to all your holiday celebrations. Now, I don't know anything about this, so I, I can't really divulge much beyond the, the article here. It does say world's number one shot brand introduces a glamorous bottle with champagne flair fit for festivities where bubbly doesn't cut it, a.k.a. all of them. And really, to be a glamorous bottle, it's just a regular old bottle on here. So what the big thrill is. It's okay. I mean, nothing really to squawk about. It just says, Fireball Dragnum is a champagne-inspired masterpiece encased in a sleek glass bottle you could be forgiven for assuming is bubbly. So, like I said, I don't really have much to talk about on that. I don't know anything about alcohol. The glass is just, or the wine bottle is just a wine bottle to me. So, we shall move along from there. Next up is from wendys.com. Play to win with flavor. Wendy's new loaded nacho cheeseburger and queso fries. Mm. And, you know, Wendy's doesn't have a veggie burger. They have a black bean burger, and I don't know if you could get it. Although I would think the black bean burger would pair better with this than a a regular hamburger would. So I can see that. But... Let's see. It says nachos and nostalgia are the perfect duo during football season, which inspired our culinary team to dream up the newest made-to-crave menu item. The loaded, loaded nacho cheeseburger delivers the unbeatable experience of a fully loaded nacho platter in one mouth-watering bite. Nestled between a jalapeno cheddar bun with an unexpected hint of sweet corn, the loaded nacho cheeseburger features a square, fresh, never-frozen beef patty generously topped with melty cheese, a tantalizing kick of spicy chipotle sauce, and a delightful crunch of tortilla strips and crispy corn. Fans can sub in a juicy, lightly breaded chicken filet if that's more your style. The loaded nacho cheeseburger was built for fans craving game day fuel, no matter if you're tailgating at a game day or watch party or craving or a post-game meal. And the queso fries are... I think pretty much explanatory. It says, topped with the same poblano queso sauce used on the loaded nacho cheeseburger, Wendy's queso fries are not your average cheese fries. With a whisper of coating on each of our hot and crispy fries, we can layer on delicious flavors while never leaving fans with sad, soggy fries. So, yeah, neither one would be something I would eat because it's just too much spice and, of course, meat. 
but apparently if they even have it anymore, they're not offering the black bean burger to pair with this, which makes absolutely no sense to me. But what do I know? Next up is from foodandwine.com. DiGiorno is dropping a pizza topped with both pineapple and pickle in an effort to enrage the entire internet. What do you think? Pineapple pickle pizza? You up for it? You're you're not coming through, Paul. Did your screen go black? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. Um, pineapple, yes. Pickle, no. Well, it says, following the viral success of hashtag pickle pizza, a hashtag that has more than 16 million views on TikTok to date, fine folks at DiGiorno thought it would be a good idea to bring that creation to life. But rather than just present a pizza that would surely enrage people who think pickles have no business being on a pizza, the brand is splitting the pizza 50-50, topping the opposite side with pineapple because, sure, let's make everyone mad while we're at it. So it's it's pineapple half and pickle half, but still, neither one sound appetizing to me. Is it going to be a red sauce or a white sauce? <clears throat> Looks like a white sauce, but I don't know. Creamy garlic sauce. So, yeah, I could see that probably with a creamy sauce, not a red sauce. <clears throat> well, they've got a slice where they've got both the pickles and the pineapple on the slice, and not for me. No, not for me. I love a lot of pickles on my hamburger. But I don't know about that. Pickles on a sandwich are one thing, but I just I don't think I could do pickles on a pizza. Which one do you like? Do you like sour dill pickles or do you like bread and butter pickles? Sour. It's got to be dill. I love bread and butter pickles. Next up is from foodnetwork.com. Taco Bill is testing a Mountain Dew Baja Blast Gelato. Really? For now, though, you can get it at only <clears throat> one location. Let me guess. Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to see if it says no. For now, this quintessentially Taco Bell gelato flavor will be available at only one restaurant in Irvine, California. It says Mountain Dew Baja Blast Gelato, basically Baja Blast Tropical Lime Flavor and Creamy Frozen Form will be sold in a 3.6 ounce container for $2.99 plus tax. It will be available for only two weeks or as long as supplies last starting today, August 31st. And yes, the teal hue of the trademark drink that has inspired it. I think they left out a couple words there. I think it should say it has the teal hue of the trademark drink that has inspired it. If it came this way, I would try it. I love uh, I've never tried the Mountain Dew Baja Blast, so I really don't know how it would go over. But I've only got one more food related item, and that's for, from Ferrero. This uh, Ferrero North slash news is where the article's from. Celebrate Halloween every day in October with. Guerrero's 31 Days of Halloween Countdown Calendar. 
Now through September 22nd, or while supplies last, consumers who visit FerreroHalloweenCal.com and make a $31 donation to Children's Miracle Network Hospitals will receive Ferrero's limited edition Halloween countdown calendar. Each day, families can open one of the 31 doors and be surprised with a treat from any of the Ferrero's premium confection and cookie brands, including Butterfinger, Crunch, Baby Ruth, 100 Grand, Kinder Bueno, Kinder Joy, Kinder Chocolate, Tic Tac, Nutella and Go, Fannie Mae, Keebler Fudge Stripe Minis, or Mother's Cookies. And when you say that it's the premium confection and cookie brands, that doesn't ring true with any of those brands. They are not no, premium. Really. So, but anyways, that is available if you donate $31 at FerreroHalloween.com. Did you have any food information or? Um, I did try the Krispy Kreme um, pumpkin spice cheesecake donut. It is wonderful, by the way. I take your word for it because I will not be doing pumpkin spice. It is very good. It's kind of like thick, like a cake donut. Oh, it's very good. And I'm, I'm just pointing out we've gone longer on the Spotify for Podcasters app than we've gone in the past few times we've tried. So maybe, maybe we're lucky tonight. <clears throat> you probably just jinxed it. Hey, if I did, I did. But it's it's gone over nine minutes, and I think our record before was about six minutes and some seconds. So it's already better than it's been. But anyways, moving on, this next article is from the Washington Post. Remarkable discovery as intact 1881 shipwreck found in Wisconsin waters. Now that alone, like not knowing anything else about it, just a ship that's over 150 years old, or no, not quite 150, 140 years old, that's been in the water all this time and still intact. That's super cool. I wonder, are they, is it too far for them to go reach it? Or It says, a long lost shipwreck has been discovered in Wisconsin waters with details of the vessel revealed this week by shipwreck hunters. The schooner-type vessel sank in 1881 in Lake Michigan and has been hailed as a, quote, remarkable discovery by maritime historians. The 156-year-old Trinidad vessel was located 270 feet deep near the Algoma coast by members of the Wisconsin Underwater Archaeology Association, Brendan Baylod and Bob Jake, who used sonar technology to locate the vessel based on historical records and years of research. Few people, if any, have ever searched for her, Baylard said in a statement about the find. The vessel is, quote, remarkably intact, with some of the crew's possessions such as platters, such as plates, bells, and anchors well-preserved, he added. <clears throat> That's weird. Says the vessel cool. tickled all the boxes as a candidate for discovery, Baylard added, <clears throat> because her, quote, gave a good description of where she sank and she went down fairly slowly in deep water so she was likely very intact. She was also very fairly near to a port city for convenient access. So it makes you wonder if, if it was shipwrecked in 1881 
near the port. Why did it take this long to find it? But anyways, just the fact that it's still intact underwater all that time. Wow. Wonder they've got a picture here. They got more pictures. Let me see what that's an artist rendering, it looks like. The original look. Yeah, there's one actual picture and it doesn't really give much. It just shows the, the steering wheel on it. But it's barnacle. That's cool. So Anyway, I thought that was an interesting little article, so I wanted to talk about it a minute. But any other news that you have before we get to the entertainment? No, I have something for entertainment. Well, go ahead and let you talk about it then. You know what I want to talk about. Depends on, I don't know. Oh, her concert tour. The movie, yeah, one night, one night only. And Watkins, Chris, is uh, the local theater here, the AMC 14. I went on there to look at tickets. It looks like every that whole night for Friday night is nothing but Taylor Swift. Every one of them, uh, it's like tons of. Well, as usual, the, the app kicked out on Paul while he was talking. So, basically, we just got through him saying that it looks like every screen on that Friday night at the AMC in Hickory is a Taylor Swift show on all 15 screens. And I think that's where he left off. So, Paul, take it back to where you were. Yeah, so it looks like all the screens... on. Every one of them is Taylor Swift. So they got a theater in there. It's called the Dolby Digital Theater. It's not as big as a IMAX theater, but it's kind of the same concept. I logged on there to look at tickets for Friday night. Um, they have two showings in that theater Friday night. Um, two or three. Anyway, two. Two. So they had a 6 o'clock, and then they had a nine 9.30. I thought, okay, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of showings left. So that night when I got home, um, I looked at it, and almost all screens were sold out. So I was like, no! So at the 9.30 showing, I got to squeeze in besides some stranger going to be sitting beside of them on one of those love seat console units. Um it's 26 bucks to see the concert. And then um, then you can get a commemorative bucket for the Eras Tour and a large drink. So I went ahead and got that too. Okay, so let's, let's, just, let's just put that up. It's fourteen ninety nine for the popcorn tub with popcorn. And it's eleven ninety nine for the collectible cup and large fountain drink. That's kind of ridiculously high priced right there, let me tell you. You got that you saw that the AMC? Yeah. Yeah, so I got it. 
But I use my Stubbs membership to get it, so. It looks like it's on but 10 it's screens. It's Taylor Swift, and it's the... They've Go got... Ahead. Well, no, they've got... It's not on 15 screens. It's it's the Dolby Cinema has it at 6 and 9.30, so that's one screen. Then the digital is at 6.37, yeah. 7.38, then 9.10, and 10.30. So I'm guessing a total of six screens. It's a bunch of screens showing it. There's four show times that say almost full. Yeah, when you click on those almost full, what's left is the handicapped ones. No, there's a lot of seats in the front, and then this is the 8, eight o'clock show. There's a lot of seats up front, and then there's a few sporadic seats throughout the theater. One, two in the back row, two in front of that, one somewhere towards the middle front, and then one all the way over on the edge near the back. So, it's not not as full as Paul was thinking, but it is very full. I want to see what the 8.30 show says, because it doesn't have anything saying almost full. Well, 8.30's still got quite well, they, a few they seats. Still got till October, they still got till October 13th to sell these tickets. So, Where did you see that bucket at? It's on the website. Well, I'm on the app. I guess I need to go to the website, right? I'm, I'm on the website on the computer. And it's right there. So. Okay, where, I guess i got to go to the website then. Because I'm on the app and it doesn't show me that. Well, I, I clicked on the Taylor Swift concert show and it's as you scroll down, it's on there. But I did see, I think it was The Exorcist, the beginning, that switched weekends because of it. Showtimes. Yeah, it's you have to click oh, well. for the the show times, but it's there's a page on the the website that shows it all. Get a free official mini poster, buy tickets to Taylor Swift the Eras Tour concert film, and take home a piece of music history. Get your mini poster free of charge starting ten thirteen. Supplies are ample, but they will go fast. Swifties will probably scoop up every one of them. Yeah. It'll be first come, first serve. That's obvious. But any, did you have anything more I'm on it? Or? There six no, um, I'm, I'm on here trying to find that damn bucket. Uh, that's all I can tell you is it was on the actual internet webpage there. But moving on, Deadline reports on a show that I think sounds like it'll be a great show. It's for the CW. LeVar Burton hosted Trivial Pursuit series in the works at the CW. 
Are you a Trivial Pursuit fan? I've never played it. Oh, I love Trivial Pursuit. But it says the CW is closing in on a deal to turn Trivial Pursuit into a game show hosted by LeVar Burton. Now, it did have a game show before, and it was hosted by Wink Martindale, you know, of Tic-Tac-Toe fame. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was the host of it. Because I know he did Debt, but I think he did the Trivial Pursuit show as well. And I watched it and very much enjoyed it. So hopefully this one will be... Like right now it's just planning stages, trying to get it together. But hopefully we will see it come to fruition and be a big hit. And you know I reviewed Justice League X Ruby the other week. And I said that it. I don't know yeah. if I could make it to the second one. Well then it was announced... This is from Wrestling Dead, WrestlingHeadlines.com. MJF cast in Justice League animated film with Warner Brothers Discovery. He has a yet unknown character in the new film Justice League X Ruby Superheroes and Huntsmen Part 2. And MJF is working on getting his way through Hollywood as he's doing this voice and... Later on this year, he will be in the movie The Iron Claw about the Von Erich family. So, cool. We'll see how his career does. He is one of the greatest ones in wrestling right now. Like His work on the mic, his work in the ring, very much better than most of them out there. And honestly, the, that's all the entertainment news I had this week. Did you have anything I else? I say there's a death of a wrestler. Oh, that's, I'm getting ready to get to all of that. But I guess that's a part of death. Yeah. Yeah. As far as entertainment goes, though, that's the only thing I know of is Taylor Swift's I, I just wonder, if, you know, it's only one night. I just wonder how they're going to treat that, like the box office totals. You know what I'm saying? We'll see. It, and it could, I mean, the way the theater is right now, her one night could easily hit number one with everything else having a full weekend. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody wants to talk bad about the way DC films are doing, but then they want to ignore the fact that I keep pointing out, since the pandemic, people are much pickier on what they pay to see in the theaters. If they hear a lot of negative, it makes them want to wait for streaming instead of paying to see it in the theater. So that's one reason why DC films are down. But all films in general are down. We've had two films this year hit $1 billion worldwide. We should have ten or more by now. And I still don't understand how that one made it. I really don't. Well, it did, but Barbie overtook it. Barbie is now the highest grossing film of 2023 worldwide. Barbie is now the highest grossing film in Warner Brothers history, having beaten Harry Potter out. Hey. Barbie is powerhouse, and it's like I've pointed out to people, Barbie is the perfect storm movie. 
It started out, you had Barbie and Oppenheimer coming out the same day, completely contrasting films. They got the whole Barbenheimer thing going where people were talking about it constantly, so it got in the conscious of the people. Then you had the conservative nut jobs that lost their minds over this film. You will recall the, I don't even know his name, but he burned the Barbie dolls after seeing the movie, and I think it's, is it Ben Shapiro? He, I'd never heard of the man before Barbie. Like, and I, I still do not look him up, don't go searching for him, but that was literally my introduction to him. And he lost his mind and went crazy online about it, and then some preacher affixed Bibles to a bat and used that to destroy the Barbie beach house. And it's just like, y'all are just crazy. Like, you have uh, lost your absolute minds. And that pushed sales. I actually discussed this with a, I actually discussed this with a gentleman today. I'm not going to mention names. But, um, never talk to religion with him and um, he's a frequent customer that comes in and he buys stuff from me all the time and um, we were talking about the severity of the Christian far right movement what's going on right now and he said I'm Christian and I'm a conservative and he said but I'm not like them he said they're crazy he said that is not what Christianity is he said what they're doing is the furthest thing from Jesus teachings he said all these crazy nut jobs coming out protesting the drag benefit shows that's benefiting the community and children's and children's centers and stuff and he said schools he said I'm all for it he said go he said because it's bringing good into the community and he goes i don't understand what the problem is and he said the real problem is not drag queens he said the real problem is these religious nutbags that are attacking drag queens and he said and those are the ones that are doing the stuff to the children yeah and i i have honestly been sharing that on my every time i see a news report about a child being molested or child pornography or whatever, I always share it to my Facebook saying, oh look, not a drag queen, not a transgender person, but another person identifying as a straight male, usually they're white. Yeah. Usually they're white and they're some kind of in, in the schools or they're in the church somehow. But yeah, he he said I don't understand it. He said all he said I have a I'm having a personal problem with religion right now because he said all they're doing is hating everything. And he said, and I wasn't born and raised to hate. He said, you know, you love everyone. And he goes, it, he said this goes against every fiber of my being. And he said I hate to say it, but he said. All these organized religions, you know, he's talked about, you know, religion going into government and controlling women's bodies. 
and stuff like that. He said, that's wrong. He said, that's wrong. He said, women should be in control of their own bodies. And he just, he said, I don't get it. I don't get it. He said, I have a hard time stepping foot in the church that I'm going to. He said, I may just have to stay at home. And that's the problem is churches are pushing people away from Christ. And a meme that I love to share, I've saved it on my phone so I can share it to people when they use woke as a bad thing. It's a picture of Jesus in front of the children and it says, being woke is exactly what Jesus taught. Because it is. Jesus loved everybody equally. He died for everyone's sins. So if you think it's a sin to be gay, it's no different in your religious beliefs than your sin of whatever you're doing. Because nobody is without sin. They also forget the lines from the Bible like, do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. They forget the lines like, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, it's little things like that that they want to look over. Or they cherry pick what they want yeah. to focus on. And then I've I've seen a thing that discussed Leviticus and the, the man shall not lie with man passage. And according to that article, in other texts, like I think German has it, man shall not lie with child as he does with a woman. Which gives a whole That's the original meaning. Hebrew text of what it means. Yeah, that's the original Hebrew text. That's what it means. And so, you know, that's another issue is the Bible has been edited so many times and books left out. And you're saying that it's God's word, but how can it be God's word anymore? Man has changed everything in it. So, but but anyways, back to the Barbie thing. The other thing that was the perfect storm for Barbie was it is a beloved doll that has been around for over 60 years. So there was already interest in it. And then the other thing is, it's a comedy that looks really funny, and people like me who don't really care about Barbie want to see it because it looks funny. I just didn't want to pay to see it. it. And I keep having to wait to see it because its release gets pushed back and pushed back because it's constantly doing well at the box office and they're about to go to IMAX screens with additional footage. They're going to... Are you serious? Yeah, they're going to tag on a, an extra scene at the end credits in IMAX. I wonder if it would be Avatar. Honestly, Margot Robbie, we I talked about it on the show before, she said that she went to him saying this was a billion dollar film and I was like, It'll do well. Not a billion dollars. But of course, the perfect storm happened and really escalated the ticket sales. So, I think if it had been Barbie on its own merits, it would have probably made about half half a billion. But Barbie with all this other, the conservatives pushing it, and... The perfect storm, like I said, with Oppenheimer opening the same day and the beloved doll. When you add all that in there, it goes way up in sales. Let's play the what-if game. I wonder how this would have came, how this would have been, if this would have came out against um, um, 
Avengers Endgame. Honestly, that was a completely different time in theaters, so you don't know. I know, I'm just saying, what if? I, I, I really don't know where to begin to speculate on that one, because... I mean, you had Avengers, but Barbie is a, oh, another contrasting movie. Well, it's not going to draw the same crowd, necessarily. Let's just back... Let's just back it up a little bit. This one, up against the Mario movie, when they said it came out at the same time. I think Mario would have lost, and not done as well. That's what I'm thinking. But. Mario, um, I, I, I still want to see this movie, and I still want to see the Indiana Jones movie. I still want to see M.I. I still want to see all of those. The, the Indiana Jones movie, I'm not overly thrilled to see, just because Crystal Skull was so bad, I have such low expectations on this one. And... Oh, and that's something else I meant to talk about, which, since we're still in entertainment, and Indiana Jones pushes us right there to it, is Disney. You know, I've called Apple money-grubbing scum in the past. Disney seems to want to take that title away from them. Disney, like I said, the the writer's strike and the actor's strike are over AI being used. They don't want it. They They want to be paid for their work. They want to be able to work not have AI do it for them. Makes perfect sense. And it's like I said, a lot of the people who complain about self-checkout are laughing and saying that they don't deserve more money on the writers and actors strike, not understanding the whole thing. Like, you don't want self-checkout, but yet you want AI to do their jobs for them, which is the exact same thing you're complaining about at self-checkout. So, but anyways, the... Disney decided to double down on AI creation during the strike. Like they they announced they were going to develop more AI. And it's like you're you know you're shooting yourself in the foot with this strike. And then this past week, Disney pulled their channels from Spectrum Cable over a dispute over the money they're making off of them. So, Bob Iger coming back does not seem to be the best bet for Disney. Their stock is dropping. It's at the lowest point in nine years. Well, I read read an article this past week, and it's a pretty lengthy article. Um, Steve Jobs was really good friends with the CEO of Disney. And um, he had in his vision to buy Disney and merge Apple with Disney and and control eventually Disney and bring all the Disney um, and all their platform over to Apple TV. So it they're they're they've got the money to buy Disney. There's no doubt about it. Apple's a three trillion dollar company. They're worth way more than Disney is. They have the muscle to do it, and they're actually thinking about doing it. Would it be approved, Disney. That seems like a sale that should not be approved. Well, they're just... That's what they're saying, is Steve Jobs wanted that that to happen. So, um, David Cook... David Cook is actually talking to Disney. 
So who knows? It could happen. I I don't think that the government should allow that sale. Personally, I I mean, you would make such a super powerhouse out of Apple that there would be no touching them. And you don't want any one company to have oh, that much power. They would be worth trillions and billions of dollars. Nobody could touch them. Nobody. But, but anyways, it's just... I've not really looked into the Spectrum Disney deal, but I'm just saying it's sounding like they're... Getting, and, you know, Disney also purged a bunch of their original content off of Disney+. Plus. Then Disney raised their prices on everything. Hulu, Disney+, Plus, and ESPN all went up in price. Sounds like, to, to me, they're poised for a takeover. It sounds like, to me, Bob Iger went back to destroy the company. And the only thing Disney has done that was good was fighting Ron DeSantis in Florida. And Ron DeSantis wants out of that battle. I don't know if you saw that, but he was asking for them to just drop the case and they wouldn't do it. This ain't going to drop no case against him. No, because he screwed them over. Well, I, don't know what he was th- I, don't know, I don't know what he was thinking taking on Disney. I mean, come on. I mean, he... He thought he could ride the go woke go broke craze and bring down Disney, and it did not work for him. It backfired. Also, also in entertainment news, I got a little other something else. Is um, Universal Studios down in down in Florida where Harry Potter is? They're adding on a whole new Harry Potter world to um, the Harry Potter section. It's going to be going to be based off of um, the Fantastic Beast films. That and the um, several other locations that they use for Harry Potter locations in London. So they're bringing London to Universal Studios. I think that's cool. I did see that the Family Guy Experience tickets went on sale now and it's $29 for the tickets but it's in California so the, the mini golf with Family Guy that we oh. talked about. Yeah. But anyways, moving on, we we have to get to it. and Unfortunately, like I said, there were a lot, and there's one in particular that I'm going to spend a lot of time on at the end of this. But of these first few, I'm going to just kind of mention headlines and move on. This is from Deadline. Bernie Marsden dies. White Snake guitarist who co-wrote "Here I Go Again" was seventy-two. Um, uh, it says he didn't share many other details, so I don't think a cause was given. Next up, from Billboard, Bob Feldman, songwriter and producer behind "My Boyfriend's Back" and more '60s hits. Dies at 83. Cause of death has yet to be revealed. But I can't imagine anybody not liking my boyfriend's back. That was a catchy tune. Next up is from Variety. Jamie Christopher, assistant director for Marvel, Ryan Johnson, and Harry Potter films. Dies at 52. And it actually has him in a picture with Chewbacca. 
This is he was going in Guardians of the Galaxy, the entire Harry Potter franchise, but he died from heart complications in Los Angeles. Next up, Margaritaville singer Jimmy Buffett, who turned beach bum life into an empire, dies at 76. This is from Associated Press. And this article was before they gave a cause of death. It, the article says, The statement did not say where Buffett died or give a cause of death. Illness had forced him to reschedule concerts in May, and Buffett acknowledged in social media posts that he had been hospitalized but provided no specifics. So it sounds like he was battling something the last few years. Yeah. Next up is from the Los Angeles Times. Robert Klein, screenwriter behind Weekend at Bernie's, dies. Um, the writer passed away from kidney failure on August 29th at his home in Woodland Hills. His son, John Klein, confirmed he was 81. And Weekend at Bernie's was a classic. I don't care what you think about it, but that was a classic movie. I love that film. I love it. Next up it's is so funny. Next up is from The Hollywood Reporter. David Jacobs, creator of Dallas and Knott's Landing, dies at 84. Both pro primetime soap operas ran for 14 seasons on CBS and for more for a total of more than 700 episodes. Jacobs died Sunday at Providence St. Joseph Medical Center in Burbank. His son Aaron told The Hollywood Reporter he had battled Alzheimer's over the years and died of complications from a series of infections. I knew you were a Dallas fan, so I made sure to include that one. Oh, I love that show. Love it. Then, of course, we've got a couple wrestler deaths. The This is from People. Wrestler Bray Wyatt died of a heart attack, according to a source. Now, I'd heard at one point... Wasn't that the, wasn't what, that the young one? Hey. Wasn't he young? It's Mike Rotunda's son. Do you remember Mike Rotunda? He and Barry Windham were tag team I champions in WWF, and he was TV champion in NWA. I remember. It was his oldest son, I think. He he did the Wyatt I family. He wasn't too old. He was thirty six. One thing that I had seen at one yeah, point was heart complications and COVID was the cause of death but this article doesn't mention covid and it does say that tmz also reported monday that wyatt died in his sleep and that he was not wearing a doctor recommended heart defibrillator at the time of his death the device was reportedly found in wyatt's car parked outside his home according to the outlet so sounds like unfortunately it could have been prevented but a little bit of carelessness yeah. and the world lost a star. And then next, they're the for me the three big ones that we've lost this these past couple weeks. This first one I've got from ESPN: Hall of Fame professional wrestler Terry Funk dies at seventy nine. Terry Funk was the NWA I'm World Heavyweight Champion in the seventies. Terry Funk came back to the NWA in 1989 and he was one of the ringside judges 
for the Ric Flair Ricky Steamboat match, and he ended up pile driving Ric Flair through the table at ringside, and put Ric Flair out of wrestling for a few months with a neck injury, and then they had their battles and. It culminated at an I Quit match at Clash of the Champions, which was unfortunately not the best match it could have been. Um, and then, like, remember, world champion in 1975. Came back again in WWF. Like He had a stint in the WWF in the 80s. Came back again in the WWF in the late 90s. Teaming with Mick Foley as Chainsaw Charlie, which everybody knew who he was because there was no mistaking Terry Funk under anything. And they won the World Tag Team titles when he was, like, 50. And it said he wrestled for 52 years with his final match coming in 2017. He wrestled in Extreme Extreme Championship Wrestling and just wild matches... Like, barbed wire matches, fire matches, just you name it, he probably did it. And he was, he was fantastic. And there was a a scene from one of the shows where it was one of his first appearances in the WWF in the 80s. And the rain announcer, he was taking the, the attire from, from... Terry Funk, and like he had the the spats and all that stuff in the hat. Well, the rain announcer put the hat on his head, and so Terry Funk slapped him the hat off his head, and then like drug him over the ropes and roughed him up a little bit in the ring. And I listened to the Jim Cornette podcast, and he was talking about that that bit too. And he said he does not think that was the way it was supposed to go. That that was Terry Funk on on the spur of the moment kind of thing. And made it got him over even more because how could you not hate a heel who's beaten up a little rain announcer? So, but, but yeah, Terry Funk was amazing. And if you if you have Peacock and you enjoy wrestling, definitely look up some of his bouts because he was great. And multiple territories that he excelled in. Next up is from Variety. Arlene Sorkin, original Harley Quinn voice actor, dies at 67. You know, we've lost Kevin Conroy, who was the voice of Batman on Batman the Animated Series. Now we've lost the original Harley Quinn voice. Like, they created Harley Quinn for the show of Batman the Animated Series. And one of the things I saw was they created her with Arlene Sorkin in mind. So, she was very instrumental to the character. And it says she voiced Harley Quinn in the 1992 episode of Batman the Animated Series entitled Joker's Favor, which was intended to be a one-episode character. Sorkin would continue to voice the character across projects including Superman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, Gotham Girls, Static Shock, Justice League, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, and the Batman-Superman movie The World's Finest. Aside from acting, Sorkin served as a writer and producer on How to Marry a Billionaire and Fired Up. She co-wrote Picture Perfect in 1997 and two episodes of Tiny Toon Adventures. She is survived by her husband, Christopher Lloyd, 
and her two children, Eli and Owen. So, definitely some Hollywood royalty there. And I'm not seeing a cause of death for her. I've not seen one. I'm not sure exactly what happened. But, but only 67. So, and that's not old enough to be gone. And then finally, this one's from NBC News. We lost the greatest game show host in the history of television in Bob Barker. Just a few months from his 100th birthday. And I have said it multiple times and I will say it again. I cannot brain myself to watch The Price is Right hosted by Drew Carey. I can watch the Bob Barker reruns all day long, but Drew Carey is just so bland on that show. And I did, um, I did watch the Price is Right special they did on CBS last Thursday night. It was a tribute to Bob Barker. And if you have Paramount Plus, I highly recommend watching it. It was a lot of clips of Bob Barker through the years on the Price is Right including him coming back for the April Fool's Day special, his 90th birthday, and there was one other appearance that he made after Drew Carey was hosting. But, I mean, who who doesn't remember Bob Barker? Oh, he's awesome. You know, the day that we was kind of chatting back and forth, I told you I was watching um, vintage um, Process Right shows, streaming them. One of them, one of them was, and um, you have a chance to win. And they turned to look, and there was the door slid apart, and it was a, a Chevy Chevette. <laughs> and people's like, ah! and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my god, what a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, but you got to remember that was a brand new car at that time. It was, it was a deal. That's a brand new car. And what got me is. The pricing games, like, you know, for a pack of crayons and all this other stuff. It's the pricing difference between then and now is, like, way different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's so much cheaper back then. There so. was there was one they were showing. It was one of the, the goof episodes that they did. And, you know, the, the 10 chances game where you have three prizes and Bob pulls down the what the prize is and you've got numbers behind that and then you have to write down. down however many of the numbers to reveal the price. Well, he opened the first one and the price was showing. So the contestant won that one. And he went to the second one, opened it up. The price was showing. So he had to he won that one. And then he went to the, to the contestant and he goes, "How are you enjoying this game so far?" And, of course, Jesse said, I'm not having to do anything. It's great. <laughs> and then Bob went to the car and pulled the car off. The price was showing for the car. So the contestant won all three prizes because of their goof. I mean, it's the only thing they could have done. And and they showed one where it was the... the I think it was the squeeze play game. And it was... 
the the oh, yeah. the thing was supposed to drop and it didn't drop, so he was trying to to push it and pull it and show the actual price, and he broke the thing, and he told the the female contestant to come over there and help him pull it, and they finally pulled it apart and got the price revealed. <laughs> I mean, that I don't yeah. see Drew because they watch it at work a lot, and I don't see Drew doing anything even halfway as entertaining as what Bob did. Bob had a personality awesome. that you could not match. And honestly, the the two names that they said they were looking at to replace Bob Barker on The Price is Right when he retired, I wasn't a fan of either one. But of the two, Drew Carey was not my pick. I would have picked Rosie O'Donnell. I think she would have been a lot more entertaining on there. And I don't think she's funny Rosie at all. Rosie O'Donnell but... would have been good. I, I do think she would have been a much better pick than Drew Carey. I, I never thought she yeah, was funny. She would have been I better. just think she would have been more personable than Drew Carey. Because there was one they had on at work. And I promise you, Drew Carey was doing the, the round, the showcase round. And he, he goes to the contestant and she goes over. And he literally said, you're over, Congratulations. Like, talking to two different people, but said it that way. I'm like, dude, you're making it sound like it's a good thing that they went over and lost. Like, congratulations, you lost, yay! It's kind of like a certain ex-president that congratulated some guy for winning the Purple Heart. Bob Barker would take that card and he'd go, blah, 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 and sometimes he'd throw it like that, so... And... And when Bob Barker revealed the prices, he would he would do it. And even when they lost, they, they weren't as upset as they could have been. But to say, you're over, congratulations. Like, literally, what, what are you thinking, dude? But, but yeah. thankfully, the, the Price is Right is preserved with Bob Barker. And there is a Price is Right Bob Barker channel. You can watch it on Pluto TV, or you can watch it on Roku channel. Personally, I prefer the Roku channel version, because I don't know if you've watched it on Pluto, but when I watch it on Pluto, it's it screws up every time. Like, it'll show a part of it, and then it'll skip back and re-show that part, and then out of nowhere, it'll skip ahead and catch back up to where it should have been. So you miss that part in it. Well, I'm streaming it on Hulu or something that weekend. There was an app I was on. And it's like back-to-back episodes just streaming, just one after another one. Well, see, there, it might be the Price is Right channel on Hulu. I don't know if they have the live stream channels. I haven't really looked that far into Hulu. But I do know Pluto TV and Roku channel have it. But so. it was, um, but the channel was called The Barker Years or something yeah. like that. That's that's what it is, and I I think Amazon Freebie has it as well. So it's it's on multiple yeah. channels or multiple apps, but and they don't Pluto and Roku do not show the same show at the same time, because I've gone where I got disgusted with it on Pluto where it skips. I've gone to the Roku channel and watched it on there, and it's a completely different show. So, 
I don't know how they work them, but well, as long as I get to see my Bob Barker prices right, I'm happy. And I've I've watched that. It, I think it premiered at the end of 2020 because I remember when I was out with COVID, I was watching a lot of the Bob Barker channel back in 2020. Like it was it was one show that I would put it just on. It makes you feel good to yeah, watch it. Yeah, it was a great, great and show. Plus, you know, ever since COVID, it's only like, it looks like maybe like 30 audience members yeah, is out there. And, and the they're going to a new studio, I think, in the new season. They're not even going to be no, in the Bob Barker studio Bob anymore. Bob Barker was. So it's not going to be Bob Barker Studios anymore. It'll still be the Bob Barker Studio, but the show will be at a different studio. It will not be at the Bob Barker Studio. Oh, that sucks. I remember seeing the little streaming that day I was watching. It looked like 200 people in that audience just got (laughs) getting all them people to try to come down, you know? Yep. And it's like, I remember those big crowds. And. And since they did the the COVID bubbles, they took out all the seats. Yeah, I don't like that. But, but yeah, Bob Bob would make fun of the Samoan women that would come up on the stage and try and kill him. And they had on that special they did on CBS the other night. They had a few where they had the contestant come down, and instead of going to contestants' row, come up on stage and. Two of them, Bob asked how how they were going to explain to it to all these people down there that she was up on stage, and there there was one older woman, and she goes, "Well, they're young and they'll understand," and it's just Bob could get reactions out of out of the out of the contestants that were great, and you you don't see that with Drew, like, and now one thing that irritates me is they spin the wheel. And then when they're spinning the wheel, Drew's like, who do you want to say hi to? And they make everybody say hi to somebody in the camera while you're trying to pay attention to what they're getting on the wheel. Like, Bob could entertain you while you were watching the wheel spin. I mean, just little things like that that Bob was a master of that Drew has no clue. Because I've always said, if I were on there and they said, do you want to say hi to anybody? Nah, I'm good. Just want to watch the wheel. Diane was on there back in the 70s. Yep. Um, she showed a picture of her, Jonathan's mama. She showed a picture of uh, her name tag and um, when she was on the show. She still has it. I've not seen it. Um, I'll have to see if I can't find it and send a screenshot over to it of you of her being on this show. Uh, I know my favorite Barker beauty though was always Holly. Did, which one did you like? I didn't really know their names. I mean, I know their names, but I can't really remember what they were. Holly, Jan, and Diane were the ones that I always knew. That was the main three for so many years. And now they got a dude. They got a couple of dudes. Because they got the one that has the beard, so, and then they have the other one. He, he looks like he might be mixed race, but... 
You gotta keep them women interested too. <laughs> yes. But anyways, Bob, we miss you. We loved you. It's a hole that we will never be able to refill. And just, it was a sad day when I saw that news. I, I gotta say, even though he was 99, still, he's one you don't want to see go. Yeah, 2023 has eaten some legends for sure. Uh, just the last few years, I mean, we lost Betty White, what, two weeks before her 100th birthday. Now we've lost Bob Barker, like, three months before his 100th birthday. But the lives they led, and, and oh, that's another thing I want to mention. I saw that the vast majority of the Bob Barker estate is going to be donated to causes that he was really big on, and of course, several animal causes, which is another reason why I love Bob so much, is his love for animals. It's like Betty White. She absolutely loved animals and was probably the biggest champion for animals in Hollywood ever. And so people like that we need more of. But with that, I think we are done with the first half. I know I've, I'm going to be reviewing Blue Beetle. I don't know if Holy Paul... Holy crap. What? Guess how much he was worth when he died. Oh, I'm sure a lot, because he had a book and everything else. Seventy million. Yeah, I mean, that, you that's... That's wild. You gotta think, he was happy Gilmore. That alone got him some royalties, and... I mean, he was he was fantastic, but as I was saying when when we come back, I'll be reviewing Blue Beetle, and I don't know if Paul got to watch anything over the week, the two weeks, so he'll surprise us if he has a review. I I did get to watch not all of it, but um, the Flash. Now you can give us your take so. on it because I've I've reviewed it a few weeks ago, but. Anyways, stay well, I tuned, everyone. All of it yet, but I'll watch okay. Okay. Stay tuned. We'll be back. And we're back. First up, let's do the top ten movies. I'm gonna do the Labor Day weekend three day totals instead of the four day. Because one, we're recording on a Monday night, so they don't have all of the four-day totals in. And they've got most of the three-day totals in, so that's the one I'm going to go with. Plus, it tells where they were last week. But at number 10 for the second week, at least, Talk to Me. One and three-quarter million in its sixth weekend for 44.1 million total. Down from six to nine is Strays. Two and a half million in its third weekend for just over 20 and three-quarter million dollars. Down from 7 to 8 is Meg to the Trench. 2.8 million in its fifth weekend for over 78.3 million total. Up from number 19 to 7 is a film called Bottoms. And significant here, it, it was on five screens its first week, which is why it was at number 19 opening. It's on only 715 screens its second week, which is like... A thousand less than most of the top ten, at least a thousand less. 
Some of them are 2,000 more screens than what this one's on. It made $3 million in its second weekend for a grand total of so far in two weeks, $3,772,706. Now, Box Office Mojo has a description for this. It says, Two unpopular queer high school students start a fight club to have sex before graduation. I don't know anything more than that, but I am so intrigued that it sounds hilarious that I'm going to have to see this movie now. Like, I'm going to be looking up the I'm trailer after dying. this. But, but who I knew? Know and, like, let's, let's face it. There's a market for such a movie. I, I wonder if I can find the. Let's see, there's <laughs> Bottoms movie. Could you, could you imagine? <laughs> this film only cost eleven point oh three million to make, and in uh. its two weekends, it has no international haul. And it's already over, it's right at $4.4 million. And it's on a whole 715 screens its second week, five screens the first week. So that is some I, significant business there. I hope, I hope to God it at least makes its money back. I mean, come on. Now, just, just to put it in perspective, of the top 10 films, if you go on the per screen average, this film was the number two film of the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Because number one had 8726 per screen. Bottoms had $4,262 per screen. Number two... Of, I find that hilarious. The number two movie has 2,844. Number three has 2,145. And number four has 1,703. So you see it's a drastic change in the top ten when you look at the per screen average. But yeah, I'd, that movie just sounds... Well, you did have a point. It sounds hilarious. It's obviously got a crowd coming to it. And I want to see it now, just, just from the description. But moving on, down from five to six is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 4.65 million in its fifth weekend for over 106.3 million total. Down from four to five, Oppenheimer, five point six million in its seventh weekend for a total of over three hundred and eight point seven million dollars so far. Down from last week's number one to this week's number four, Gran Turismo, based on the true story, six and a half million in its second weekend for just under twenty eight point seven million total. Holding steady at three is Blue Beetle. Third weekend in release, $7.1 million for a total of $56.4 million so far. Holding at number two for the third week in a row, Barbie, $10.2 million in its seventh weekend, bringing its domestic total to an unbelievable $609,084,254. This film... As I talked earlier, the perfect storm and just huge business. Of course, it is the highest grossing film of the year, highest grossing Warner Brothers film in history. The international take is $771.9 million. It's 
quickly approaching $1.4 billion total. Let's see what the Barbie movie budget was. According to Google, a whopping $145 million to make this film that's made almost $1.4 billion. That is a take above cost of over a billion dollars for this film. Yeah, think Warner Brothers is happy with that film? Oh, I can see Barbie number two coming out. Oh, definitely. And I can see Warner Brothers not licensing that film to anyone else because, one, it's made so much money for them, and, two, it will push subscriptions to the Max streaming service. So why would you give it to somebody else when this film will bring people in? Now, like, years down the road, maybe send it to somebody else. But for now, you want to keep this powerhouse in your company. So if, if they license it out to somebody else, they are fools, plain and simple. And that brings yeah. us to number one, the debut of The Equalizer 3. Opening weekend brought in $34.6 million, which is one of the biggest takes of the year that I've seen. But uh, outside of Barbie, that's the biggest weekend of a film probably in five months Outside of, like, Super Mario, maybe? Hey. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Where's MI at? Uh, it dropped from 11 to 13 with one and a quarter million in its eighth weekend, 170.2 million total. Okay. And I bet Tom Cruise is pissed off. Well, he can't have a huge hit every year. And... Honestly, I still say Top Gun Maverick was way overrated and should not have made the money it did. It was not that good of a movie. It was kind of bland overall. But It was crazy numbers for sure. And again, just one of one in a while you get but not like you did before the pandemic. But with that, we'll move on. Paul will talk about his take on the Flash film. IMDb currently sits at 6.8 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes at 63% according to Google. Paul, what'd you think? I think it's a great film. I don't understand what was so everybody poo-pooing on it for. I don't get it. You, You want me to tell you? There's two things that really went against the film. First is DC. So, you know, the DC bandwagon, let's hate DC. And two is Ezra Miller with all of his issues. But more than anything, they hated on Ezra Miller because Ezra Miller is transgender. Well, is this not... Okay, simultaneously, I'm watching, going on in the background, is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Isn't Ezra Ezra Miller in this movie? Yes. Well, I knew that had to be Ezra Miller in here as I was watching this. Yep. He's a fantastic, uh, I, I mean, a fantastic actor. Well, it's, it's like the it. the people that 
are whining that he needs to be replaced with Grant Gustin from the Flash TV show. And I'm like, if they would, you would complain that a CW show star is now in the movies. So it's really, it doesn't matter what they do. People are going to complain. It's, there's constantly a, I don't see the point in watching DC because the universe is ending and they're not going to carry on with it. I'm like, Peacemaker is continuing and it's in this universe. Peacemaker is going to be in the new DC universe that they're doing with James Gunn. Not everything is ending. People just want to hate DC. And that's the thing that I've kept pointing out is with the pandemic, people saw how quickly things go to streaming now. Prices are up on everything, so they're much choosier about what they see in the theater. And if all they hear are the trolls online dogging the DC films, they're like, oh, well, if it's bad, then there's no point in paying to see it. We'll wait a few months and it'll be on TV for free with our subscription. And that's yeah. basically what it comes down to. That's why DC can't catch a break. Michael Keaton come back as Batman. That was phenomenal. And I was not a big Michael Keaton Batman fan. And like, Supergirl. No, she did a good job. Yeah, Supergirl did a great job. And people were like, oh, they bastardized the the, the Flashpoint storyline. I'm like, they didn't bastardize it as bad as what Marvel did to Civil War. At least they kept the concept yeah, of Flashpoint in the movie The Flash. Civil War from Marvel changed it entirely. Like, literally. The Sokovia Accord was the reason for the Civil War where Tony Stark Iron Man was trying to get the heroes to register with the government and be paid, but the government know who they are. Steve Rogers' Captain America thought that was a bad idea and that the government would try to control them. And make them do things that they shouldn't do. And he was against it. So it was the two sides. Warring over that. What was it in Captain America Civil War? Bucky. That's what they were fighting over. Yeah. And so don't tell me that the Flash bastardized Flashpoint. When you're going to defend Captain America Civil War. Plain and simple. You got a point. And that's how they do. It's like Marvel can do no wrong, even though Quantum Mania was horrible. Still made almost half a billion. Uh, I still want my last those two hours of my life back after watching that. Yeah, I mean it's it was it was pretty bad. And it seems like, is it just me, but every superhero movie has come out is having a multiverse. Yeah, every and one of them. that's that's a long... Just like, just like this movie. This, this movie, Flash, had a multiverse. Yeah, that's long-standing trope of comic books. Yeah, I'm just kind of getting tired of them, all the multiverses. Well... That's one thing. Yes, I, I think they should just. Well, the the James Gunn plan, from what he's saying, is they're going to be connected universe, so the the heroes can intermingle in other films with each other, 
but each film is going to serve as a standalone story. So you don't have to watch Superman to watch Wonder Woman and understand it. You don't have to watch uh, Blue Beetle to watch Justice League and understand it, just hypothetically. You know, it's each one will be, you watch that film for that film, which I think is a great idea, and it's basically what he did with Marvel. Because if you look at the Guardians of the Galaxy films, they are completely separate from the rest of the story. Like, those characters appear in Avengers and such, but you don't see those other heroes appear in Guardians of the Galaxy. You don't see any of that story float over to Guardians of the Galaxy. If you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you don't need all that other. And that's where Marvel's losing the plot, is they're connecting everything and it's now over 10 years old, and you've got all these different projects that they've done, and you're you're convoluting the story and just getting too much. So if you hearken back to something, say Iron Man, that maybe you watched it once in 2008 when it came out, because I think it was 2008 when it came out, and now they bring something back into a new movie if you haven't watched it again do you remember what they're talking about so that's that's where the um, issue with Marvel's coming I'm about ready for all that to go away so well, the way Disney's doing this is going to because Daredevil has been indefinitely postponed Ironheart may be cancelled. There's no official word yet, but it's indefinitely postponed. They've pushed back all their shows that were coming. So, it harkens back to me saying Disney being money-grubbing scum now is they're, they're shoving everything back instead of releasing it like they were planning and making Disney Plus kind of obsolete and people wanting to get it because there's not that much new stuff coming to it. So hopefully when they finally get Hulu merged into Disney Plus, it'll be worth keeping. But right now, I'm questioning if it if it's worth it. So yeah, and then just think if Apple gets a hold of it. So from what you've seen of the Flash, you would watch it again and again. I would actually. I enjoy it. I thought it was a good good story and good movie. And a lot of the hate was over the special effects too. And I was like, if you watch, unless it's the Flash special effects, they look so much different when somebody else is doing it. Like the Wonder Woman special effects, Batman special effects, they are completely different. Supergirl special effects, they are completely different from the Flash. Yeah. So... Yeah, maybe they should have made the babies look more realistic than what they did. But by the same token, they may have had to tone down the look of the babies because of you got babies flying out of the window. And if you make them look extremely real, they they may not pass the sensors very well. So, you know, it's... So... But anyways, moving on to the other DC film this week is Blue Beetle. 
I tried to get Paul to go watch it when the movie theater was charging four dollars a ticket. Would have been four dollars to go I see this movie. Away. I swear. But anyways, been shorthanded at work. IMDb after twenty six thousand reviews has it six point seven out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter is at seventy eight percent with two hundred and forty three reviews. The audience score, however, with over twenty five hundred verified ratings, ninety two percent. Blue Beetle, from what I have seen on on social media, the people who have actually gone to see Blue Beetle are, for the most part, really enjoying this film. It's fun. It's lighthearted. There's a great family element to it. It's superhero action. I mean, this these are what superhero films should be to me. Not dark and gritty and doom and gloom and not just all action and no story. And everybody complains about the CW shows from DC having too much romance in them. And what does Marvel have? You had Pepper and Tony. That romance. You had MJ and Peter in the Spider-Man movies. That romance. You had Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter. That romance. Like every film they've done has been a romance. But yet, it's DC that's doing too much of the romantic story in their shows. So it's basically it all comes down to people want to hate DC again. That's why this movie isn't doing as well. It's the budget was a hundred and four million dollars, and to me, this film has already won by making over a hundred million dollars at the box office. When this film was originally made as a Max original film, it was not set to be released in theaters. So, all of this money they're making on it is paying them back for what they were not going to be paid back for. So, yeah, it, it has to make like $208 million to break even, but this is money it wasn't going to get because... Subscriptions are not going to pay for a film with this budget. We've talked about it with Netflix. Don't understand why Netflix doesn't send them to the theaters before they bring them to Netflix. Now what they need to do is release Batgirl. Well, that shelved. So it probably... Because they got a tax break on it when they shelved it. And that just made me mad because I want to see Batgirl. I like Batgirl better than Batman. But the, the Blue Beetle... Yeah. Susan Sarandon was a an iffy choice for me. I've never been a big fan of George Lopez. I love Susan Sarandon. Don't get me wrong. That's not why she was an iffy choice for me. It's She was an iffy choice because she's the villain in a superhero movie at this age. You're like, how's that going to work? It works fantastic. Like She's similar to Lex Luthor in this film. So... I mean, not exactly Lex Luthor, but similar to him. And so her in that role worked worked great. George Lopez, I really enjoyed his character in this movie. It, basically, there was not a conspiracy he didn't meet that he liked. And Jolo Marajuana as Blue Beetle and Jaime Reyes, 
fantastic in the role. The like I said, the the family element in it, they did a really good job of showing the the family's love for each other. There was a great family story. Grandma was fantastic. I really enjoyed her. She brought a lot of humor to the role. And and she was strong and you know and from what I've seen, and I'm not Hispanic, so I can't say for sure, but from what I have seen, the Hispanic culture, the grandmother tends to be the anchor of the family. And that's what the grandmother was yes, in this true. movie. And she really does... For them, for them and also Italian families. Yeah. But she really does anchor this family and and keep things moving like they should and I enjoyed the story I was not bored once people will say oh it's kids will like it but it's not for adults it's it's what a superhero should be superhero movies should be more for kids to watch and adults to enjoy as well you don't want Joker to be the this norm of a superhero movie you can have superhero stuff that's not for kids, like the boys on Prime, but everything doesn't need to be that. And this movie, it gets iffy because the Beatle ends up burning his clothes off. So when he loses the Beatle armor, he's naked. And that I thought was kind of questionable, but it's not done distastefully. And it's not, they. They make a lot of humor out of it that I think would be over kids' heads, but I'm not going to spoil that. So, anyways, I highly recommend it. I think if you get the chance, go see it in theaters. It does have potential to go up drastically in the international markets because so far it has not released in Australia, Japan, or China. I don't know if it will release in Japan or China. I have looked up the dates today. There's nothing. Australia is, I believe, September 19th or September 14th. One of those two dates. Because I know the digital release date is September 19th. So you'll be able to rent it on digital as of September 19th. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely worth it. And the Flash... I mean, it ended up making more money on on the Blu-ray sales because it was the number one selling disc for at least one week, and it made it did well on digital. People were willing to pay to see it on digital, where they weren't willing to pay to see it in theaters. And I think Blue Beetle will be the same thing, but Blue Beetle has a lot better word of mouth on it than The Flash did. So we'll see if Blue Beetle can maintain. Still number three at the box office, so that's saying something for it. It was the first film to be able to knock Barbie out of the top spot. So, and people were like, oh, it was Barbie's fifth week. And I was like, but nothing else was able to knock Barbie out of number one. Nothing else did better ticket sales than Barbie that weekend. And Barbie was on more screens the weekend that Blue Beetle opened. And Blue Beetle still beat it by several million dollars. So if Blue Beetle had had more screens, it could have had more money. But it was on like 200 screens less than Barbie. So who knows what it would have done. 
And, of course, Blue Beetle opened on the weekend that the West Coast was hit by a hurricane and an earthquake. All in one weekend. True. So, yeah, there was there was a lot going against Blue Beetle. Plus, like I said, countlessly, the, the hate for DC. But this is a really good film and definitely worth watching. Definitely worth watching again and again. If you get the chance, take it because this movie is really good. So, And it should be coming to HBO Max within a couple months if, if you can't see it before then. But I'd, I'd suggest going to the theater and seeing it. I think it's worth it. And with that, I believe we are done. Any final words, Paul? Kevin numbers are on the rise. A um, couple employees in the Mart has gotten it. Um, one of my friends went to the urgent care in Lenore for his foot. He got an injury to his foot, and by the time he got to, by the time he got seen at twelve o'clock, that location. They already had 32 confirmed cases of COVID in that loca- in that in that um, that morning for COVID. Yeah, and you know, I just went through it again not too long so, ago. Cases are on the rise. There is a new shot coming out at the end of September, um, and I plan on getting it. So I hope it helps, because God knows I can't get it. I definitely do because I'm I'm definitely getting the vaccine this time, and this time I shouldn't have to worry about getting COVID right after I get the vaccine, because I'm wondering if that kind of hurt the the vaccine that I got the last time was I got the vaccine and then immediately tested positive for COVID the next week, and yeah, and then. Ended up testing positive for COVID again the other weekend, which if it's like the flu viruses or flu vaccine, as I said, it's eight months and it's done, then that could have been the case. It could be that this new variant is not able to be fought off by the vaccine. I mean, any number of things is possible, but I'm hoping that this time around I'll be able to get the vaccine, not get COVID right away, and then stay healthy for another year. I'm seriously thinking about starting to wear my mask at work again when we start to get busy, uh, wearing my mask when we have a lot of people in there. So It's it's possibly getting to that point. You know, winter's coming on where everybody's going to be inside, and that's when people think that it's not easy to catch viruses in the summer. But that's because you don't have as many people inside at one time. You don't have the inside as hot, breeding all those germs more. So that's your main... main the recirculated air. Yep. I mean, in, in the summer you have the air conditioning, which still recirculates the air, but it's cooler and it keeps the germs from from multiplying as fast. But the heat, they they thrive. So... But not sure what we'll be discussing next week. I don't know what's coming out, if anything. There is that movie with Gal Gadot on um, Netflix that I kind of want to see, but I haven't seen yet. So, The Heart of Stone. 
but I don't know if I'll get time to watch it because I know I'm doing the Chubby Checker show this weekend. Paul's slated to do the Polly Shore show. So, lots of fun going on this weekend. Yep. But, anyways, if you have nothing else, I think that's it for this week. So, until next time, goodbye, everybody.